Hello and welcome to the Citizen Abroad, a Manchester City football podcast. I'm your host, Tim Crean. I'm coming to you from just outside New York City, 3,299 miles from the Etihad Stadium. On today's episode, we will talk about City's win over Burnley to advance in the Carabao Cup. We'll talk about the Champions League draw. We'll talk about Phil Foden being left out of England. But most of all, we will talk about the embarrassing 5-2 defeat by Leicester City in the Premier League. Uh, For my money, definitely the most embarrassing loss of the Pep era. Probably the most embarrassing loss of the Sheikh Mansour era. Uh, you know, not, I would assume it's not the most embarrassing loss of the City era. I mean, City's had some ups and downs over the years. But uh, as far as uh, since Sheikh Mansour bought the team, uh, that would be uh, the most embarrassing loss. So that is uh, something we will get into quite a bit. And then one piece of business before we go into talking about City. As I mentioned last episode, uh, if you write a review, if you leave a five-star comment on uh, Apple Podcasts, I will give you a shout-out. So a big shout-out to Toon Junes. Left a five-star review, said he loves the homily atmosphere, which uh, when it's just one guy talking, I totally get that. Um, likes the perspective, uh, especially from a foreign fan, and uh, talking about the, uh, I love the engagement on social media, wants more guests, and uh, hopes that I can, uh, can be more regular with this, which, trust me, uh, Toon Junes, I hope too. Thank you so much for the review. Really appreciate it. If you want to write, a five-star review for me on Apple Podcasts, please, by all means, do that, and I will give you a big shout-out, a big thank-you shout-out on the start of the podcast. So there is the business piece. Here is the city piece. Lots to talk about. Here we go. City drew Group C from Pot 2 in the Champions League draw. Um, They could have gotten a bunch of really good teams, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Juventus, in Pot 1. They got Porto, who is probably among the weaker teams in Pot 1. So so that'll be a little bit of an easier draw for City. Follow that up with Olympiacos, but then got the French side Marseille uh, as one of the harder draws in Pot 4. Overall for City, I think it's a relatively easy draw. Of course, there are uh, alternatives we'll go through in a minute that could have been much worse. But uh, for City, Porto, Olympiacos, and Marseille, they're fun. We haven't played uh, any of these teams in a while, so that's uh, that's nice to see. Now, I said on Twitter that uh, it was a good draw for City, not a great draw, and not exactly what I was hoping for and that I would expand on the podcast here. And you know, I really think that City has been hurt the last couple of years by having easy draws and easy groups in the Champions League. I think that uh, City needs some uh, pressure earlier on. You know, in, in early on in Pep's uh, time here, they had Barcelona in the group stage. I thought that was good for them, although, I mean, they still lost in the round of 16 there. Uh, but this year, I would have liked to see them get a Real Madrid, get a Juventus uh, in the top of their group and uh, and have to play them. or. Um, you know, it's just I feel like City plays down to their level of competition. And I think the more they're tested earlier in the season, the more it's going to uh, give them uh, the, the cohesiveness, the strength they need to uh, to win trophies at the end of the season. So fine group. They should easily roll out of this group and uh, 
and, and, and it's good for City. So I, I would have liked to see a little tougher competition, but uh, not terrible overall considering the alternatives. Um, you look through the groups, Pot A, uh, Bayern Munich and Atletico Madrid should get out of that group relatively easily. Um, Shakhtar Donetsk was in the same pot, so City finally couldn't play them. Um, group B with, uh, with Real Madrid and Inter Milan, they should both uh, get out of that group as well. D is Liverpool's group. They got one of the easiest draws with Ajax, Atalanta, and uh, Michelin, I believe it's pronounced. So they should uh, get out of that group. Uh, again, Chelsea, too, got a relatively easy draw with Sevilla, Krasnodar, and Rennes. Um, or Renee and uh, so Chelsea you're looking for in the next round as well. Group F, uh, Zenit, St. Petersburg, Borussia Dortmund, Lazio, and uh, Club Bruges. That's going to be interesting because obviously you think Borussia Dortmund gets out of that. So then does Zenit uh, able to, uh, to make their way out or does Lazio, the Italian side? Uh, a little bit tough. Group G, Juventus, Barcelona, Dynamo, Kiev, and Baron Kavros, which I'm not super familiar with. But again, Juve and Barca should cruise through there. Um, one of the toughest groups, maybe this is the group of death here, but uh, Group H, Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester United, and RB Leipzig, along with the uh, the host of the finals, uh, Istanbul. Uh, but <clears throat> I'm not even going to try that. The team from Istanbul. Uh, you know, I don't know who gets out of that. RB Leipzig is incredibly good. PSG, you know, Man United, we know both about them. So... It'll be interesting to see who gets out of that group. If, uh, you know, obviously the hope is that uh, PSG and RB Leipzig are able to get out, and it's a massive embarrassment for the neighbors next door at Manchester United. So there's the Champions League. Uh, looking forward to the start of that. Again, the one major trophy Pep has not won with City and has not won in many years overall since he left Barcelona. And that is a huge uh, feather in the city and the Sheikh Mansour administration cap that they need to get uh, for this to be a complete and utter success uh, before it is all said and done. So there it is uh, for the Champions League. And uh, we will move on now to a brief discussion of uh, international football. And of course, that is the fact that Phil Foden was not uh, brought up to the English national team. Now they have a ton of uh, fixtures. They have a friendly uh, going on over this break, and you know, I'm not super upset that Foden's not going to play from a uh, health and injury and, and tiredness perspective. What I am a little, uh, you know, upset and annoyed about is that you know Garrett Southgate made this big deal about how you know England needs to show that they're not accepting of these things. These kids need to learn with him and Greenwood. Yet he called up Harry Maguire, who. Uh, punched and attempted to bribe a cop on Holiday in Mykonos uh, a couple weeks ago. So apparently that is acceptable, but inviting models uh, to your room during coronavirus, not acceptable. So great message from Gareth Southgate there. Um, once again, remember, uh, models, bad, punching and bribing police officers, okay, and acceptable. Um, you know, I, it's it's stupid, it's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that Maguire is older and, and England is a little short on defenders and a little longer on attackers and midfielders, I think plays into it. And, uh, you know, frankly, I think Gareth Southgate made a major mistake with this and uh, just a completely hypocritical move there. Now, if you would have left them all out, I would be absolutely fine with that. If you want to punish all the bad actors and say, hey, we don't accept this, absolutely fine. Same thing if you brought him back. I mean, you know, that's his call. It's his team. 
if he said, look, you know, these guys, we handle it, we handle it internally. They've been disciplined uh, in the way we feel fit, and uh, we're bringing them all back. Uh, that's fine too. But to exclude the kids for what they did and not uh, deal with what Harry Maguire did, I think is a huge uh, mistake on Southgate's part. The other thing I think is interesting is uh, Southgate is now dealing with a pretty irate uh, special one, Jose Mourinho, who is has been absolutely running Harry Kane into the ground with his minutes uh, already early in the season. And uh, he is saying that he does not want Harry Kane playing in these matches, especially in the friendly. And, you know, the pundits are going back and forth, whether he should, whether he shouldn't. And, uh, you know, I, I get it. Listen, I'm, I'm all for, you know, and especially in a friendly, not playing uh, big-time players. But, you know, where are you going to draw the line here? I mean, if Harry Kane doesn't play, I don't want Sterling playing, for sure. You know, like, Sterling plays tons of minutes, too. And he shouldn't uh, have to play in these matches and get tired for the season, either. Because City is the one, of course, who signs their paychecks. And that, uh, that's important right now, more important than some friendlies and some meaningless, uh, pretty meaningless matches uh, for the national team. So something to follow. But, uh, you know, uh, if, if Harry Kane uh, doesn't have to play, but Sterling does, that is something that I'm going to be pretty upset about. And, uh, you know, good for Mourinho for standing up. I mean, Pep is, has uh, sent some kind of passive-aggressive barbs over the years about uh, his players playing in the national team. But, uh, of course, Mourinho, as is his style, just comes out and uh, and screams it from the, from the mountaintop uh, that he does not want to see his players in these matches. So something to keep an eye on, interesting from the national team. And you know what, uh, Phil Foden, you are still number one in the Manchester City fans' books. So uh, don't worry about it. You will be back in the national side soon, I am sure, with your amazing play. Now, on to the matches on the pitch for City. <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and uh, just go right to the massive embarrassment uh, on the weekend of uh, Leicester City, demolishing uh, Manchester City, the Premier League leading Leicester City, uh, demolishing City uh, 5-2 to in, for my money, the most embarrassing loss of the Pep era. Um, look, let's get the caveats out of the way that uh, City is incredibly shorthanded. They didn't have Bernardo, they didn't have Gundogan, they didn't have uh, Laporte for this match. I mean, they, you know, they're missing some big-time stars. Aguero, Jesus, all those guys were not there. So uh, Pep had to piece together a lineup the best he could. In my opinion, I think he could have uh, gone back to his normal 4-3-3 formation. He is sticking uh, for this match with that double pivot. And that double pivot got absolutely exposed and destroyed by uh, a very you know game and dangerous, especially on the counterattack, Leicester City. It didn't help with uh, an incredible three penalties from City defenders. Everyone across the back line, save for the uh, new guy, Nathan Ake, got a penalty. And it was just a disgusting display of defense all around. It, you know, embarrassing. And, and I'm sure I'll use that word multiple times. But the whole thing, the defending was embarrassing. I think Pep sticking with his double pivot lineup was embarrassing. And the fact that they got drubbed by a good team, but not a great team, uh, was embarrassing. The lineup Pep put out, this double pivot lineup, uh, Ake and Garcia in the middle, Mendy and Walker on either side of them in front of Ederson, uh, Rodri and Fernandinho as the the dreaded double pivots uh, in front of them, De Bruyne with uh, Foden and then Mares and Sterling up front. 
And the game started very well. The game started with Mares putting in a uh, just an absolute worldy wonder goal from Mares, kind of kicking it off the volley with his off foot uh, and just banging it in the top corner of the net. So things looked good right off the bat for City. Then uh, Leicester was able to tie it up to half. Still, things had not gotten out of control. Uh, the Walker penalty on uh, Jamie Vardy was terrible. It was a ridiculous uh, tackle attempt by Mares to start it out. If you watch, it was like an Odomendi level falling down and trying to tackle uh, the, the ball carrier here. But then Walker just tackled Vardy, and it was terrible. Walker needs to get it together. His positioning was terrible. He was on the wrong side of Vardy. He was on his outside instead of being on his inside. And, you know, again, I, this is the same conversation we have every year. So, you know, go ahead and hit the 30-second the ahead button if you have heard this before, because I know you have. If Walker is not a major plus on offense, he's such a negative on defense that he's killing you overall. He's the weakest link on the pitch if his offense is not going well. And, and, his, and you know, he took some nice long shots and things like that, but his, he's not a guy whose offense is overcoming his terrible, terrible defense. And he got a penalty for England recently. Um, you know, the, he, just, he just keeps getting penalties. And, you know, he's getting older. I know they're not going to bring in a right back. They got Cancelo. I'd like to see him play more uh, when he's ready. But, you know, Walker is, is really kind of using up his last uh, bit of goodwill from me, at least. And uh, these, these mental lapses, this terrible positioning, the terrible defense overall is just, Awful and embarrassing as uh, the word of the day. You know, go ahead and drink uh, every time I use that word here. But Walker, um, just terrible. But, uh, you know, it would get more terrible for City. So second half is when Leicester really poured it on. Uh, goal number two, uh, Ake got drawn up the pitch where he didn't see the kind of winger coming down the left. But what really happened is Mendy lost that winger because he was ball watching. So the winger got behind him, put in a great pass. Um, to Vardy. And, you know, look, Garcia was not, uh, he was on the right side of Vardy, at least, in between him and the goal. Vardy just beat him to the spot and had an amazing little flick past Ederson. Yes, uh, Vardy was trailing, or uh, Garcia was trailing Vardy, but, uh, I, you know, I don't blame him or Ederson. It was a, a great goal once it got there, but it got there because of Ake and Mendy. Um, and, of course, I met Mendy more on that. And, again, just, you know, if these guys aren't, uh, putting in the offensive firepower that they're, they're there for, then you're just a massive liability on defense and you need to go. And it does look like in the transfer market, uh, the left back is a position that Pep is trying to address. So there it is, 2-1 Leicester City. Again, still uh, not a house on fire. Uh, the next goal would really be where it got uh, out of hand. And that was when Garcia just got absolutely uh, owned by a veteran move by Vardy. Uh, Garcia got beat by Vardy. He was trailing him, uh, and you know he was out of control. And Vardy just put on the brakes a little bit, and Garcia basically tackled him for the second penalty. Listen, the fact is that Garcia is a teenager, and Vardy is a world-class striker. And the world-class striker pulled out his bag of tricks and uh, and absolutely baited Garcia into uh, just mowing him over. And that happens, you know. It, it was a terrible plague by Garcia. But, you know, that's what happens when you're starting 18-year-olds on defense or 19-year-olds, however old Garcia is. Um, so it, two penalties, and, and they put it home. It's 3-1 now. Now we have a problem. And, of course, problems only got worse 
James Madison just had another amazing goal. Uh, long shot, upper corner, nothing you could do. I mean, look, Garcia didn't close down maybe as best he should, but he was very far out still. And, um, you know, that one, little blame to go around, except to say that uh, Madison had a, a fantastic, phenomenal uh, goal there. So uh, that makes it uh, 4-1, and uh, the route is on. City pulls one back, nice header. It does look like some of these new guys might be pretty decent on set pieces. And, you know, if a guy like Ake is good on set pieces, that'll free up uh, Laporte. It'll free up Rodri maybe to, uh, to do some more good on set pieces and corners. Uh, so that's good to see. 4-2, still uh, the ball game is over. And then just to uh, add salt in the final wound, Mendy, terrible D. Once again, and again, you know, drink, you've heard this before, Mendy is on the wrong side of the attacker. He's on the outside of the attacker, tries to get back to the inside while he's driving towards the goal and, uh, and throws him down. And there it is. Uh, the penalty, again, is converted. And it is 5-2. Leicester City is absolutely embarrassed yet again and uh and, and the game is over and if i did this podcast um the day after the day the night of the day after unfortunately uh the schedule didn't allow it i would have been much angrier much more upset because i wouldn't have had the burnley game to calm me a little bit but you know i need to say that it was terrible i've said it a million times it was embarrassing and city needs to figure this out now the guys coming back for injury will come back but the formation needs to go. The double pivot needs to go. Now, if you want to pull that back out against Liverpool, it's worked a little bit better there in the past. But for the most part, stop. You know, with the formations, the, we City needs to bring in a striker. It's obvious if if uh, Jesus and Aguero start the season injured, they're going to be injured throughout the season here and there. That's just you know pretty much a sports fact. And they need to bring in a striker who is capable. You know, bringing in, uh, who was it, Cole Palmer, who played against Burnley, or of course, uh, legend, legendly in the lap, is great, but they need a, a legit professional striker who uh, is at least in his 20s or older, because uh, that's not going to fly with, uh, you know, Sterling being up front, Mares being up front. Those guys aren't strikers, they're wingers. Torres, I guess, can play a little in the striker, but he's a winger as well. They need to bring someone in, or you're going to get uh, nights and days like this. And that is a problem. So that's all I want to talk about, Lester, because um, it's it's angering and annoying. But uh, we shall see. City uh, is uh, moved on, and they played Burnley in the Carabao Cup. And now against Burnley in the Carabao Cup, they actually played very well. And how did that all start? The playing well. It started with them playing a decent lineup once again. Uh, finally going away from the double pivot. Uh, City had the American, Zach Steffen in goal, who uh, wasn't tested very much, but played fine. I go back and forth with people on Twitter about uh, how much I love Steffen and waving the American flag. And, uh, of course, the Bravo lovers love to talk about how uh, Bravo, uh, you know, you need to get on Steffen if he's bad as Bravo, which I will. I'll get on Steffen if he's bad as Bravo. I mean, I don't think it's possible, but uh, it's something that, uh, that could happen. But, you know, he wasn't tested very much, but, uh, you know, he did fine when he was. He's, he, he's looking like he's getting better with a ball on his feet, but you can tell he's not super comfortable. He's definitely uh, a Route 1 kind of goalie. He likes to goalie. He's American, so I should call him a goalie. Uh, he's a Route 1 kind of keeper who likes to send the ball deep uh, when he gets it to get out of trouble. But uh, 
he, it looks like he's working on it, so that's a good thing. In front of him was Emmerich Laporte and the ageless, positionless wonder Fernandinho as the center backs, Mendy and Walker once again, just because there's really no other options right now. Uh, on the flanks here, uh, Rodri in front of him with uh, the 17-year-old Cole Palmer, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez, and Ferran Torres uh, up front there. Uh, Sterling was in the striker role, scored two goals. Is a little deceiving because uh, he missed a couple sitters. There was some really uh, tough chances. So the stat line looked better than the actual, some of the actual play was for Sterling. But overall, I thought um, the, the whole front side played a great game. As for the goals, the, uh, the first goal, just a classic Mendy to Sterling. You know, two guys, Mendy, who I kill all the time, Sterling, who was getting killed on, on social media uh, during the match. But you saw the flashes. You saw Mendy uh, break down the wing, put a brilliant low cross in, something that he's been doing less and less of lately. But uh, you saw the potential there if he is firing on all cylinders. And, uh, and Sterling was able to easily bury it. Of course, that was like his third or fourth chance of the match already. And uh, he had missed a couple, but he was able to bury that one. For the first goal, second goal, great break. Uh, De Bruyne to Torres to Sterling. And uh, again, Torres just put it right on a button for Sterling, who, uh, you know, this is, it looked like an easy goal. He did do a little fancy footwork to shift the ball from his left to his right in front of net as the keeper was diving down and the defender was there. And he put it in a relatively open net. But uh, again, the second goal uh, from Sterling, it, it was a good goal. Great passing from uh, De Bruyne and Torres. Uh, you know, Torres was excellent. His passing was really slick. I think at times it was like uh, it was like when you get a, a, a new point guard who can really dribble and really uh, beat his defenders and throws these crazy, like, no look and behind the back passes. And the teammates aren't quite ready for him. And so they're bouncing off their hands and their chest. Uh, the, the city guys didn't quite look ready for some of Torres's really, really slick passes, but I think that'll come in time. And, and Torres was by far the most impressive uh, player in this match. I hope that uh, he bought himself a, uh, a spot. And he can play on the left, he can play on the right. Either way, I think it's great. So I think, you know, once City gets a, an attacker back, I would love to see uh, him and Sterling together. But I think for now, uh, him and Mares with Sterling in the middle is what we're going to see. Uh, probably against Leeds on the weekend here. Uh, finally, the third goal, great pass from Mares. Uh, Sterling got the assist, but it was more kind of a stumble tip uh, over across to Torres, and then Torres confidently buried the finish. And um, there it is, 3-0. City moves on to travel to Arsenal in the quarterfinals now of the Carabao Cup. So City uh, keeps up their dominance in the, uh, in the Carabao Cup and moves on against the Arsenal, who took down on penalties Liverpool. So uh, it opens up City's path to yet another Carabao Cup pretty nicely. So that is, uh, is a good thing for City. Now, last but not least, uh, we're not going to get into transfers today. We'll save that for next week when we see what City actually does uh, when the transfer window ends on Monday here. Um, we know what I think they need um, a midfielder, a striker, possibly a left back. Uh, but uh, Ruben Diaz was a good, uh, good signing. One more point about kind of going back to Leicester that kind of ties in with Ruben Diaz is I like Kunde. I didn't like Koulibaly as much, more so I just because I didn't like Napoli as much dealing with them. We have to pay for him and his age. But I like Kunde a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm really into this Ruben Diaz signing now because you read the articles and on top of being 6'3", on top of being a strong defender, 
on top of having national team experience, you know, what he brings to the table, it sounds like, is leadership. There's a lot of articles about how uh, he's going to bring leadership to City. And frankly, I think that's one of the things they need most in this uh, season is leadership. Outside of Pep Guardiola, there is no leadership in the pitch. And that was shown by the embarrassing, once again, embarrassing loss to Leicester. I mean, you know, I have a hard time believing that if Vincent Company was here, that they would be able to lose 5-2 to two to Leicester. That he would have marshaled that team and ridden people and gotten on people and, and at least had City show a little pride instead of getting just killed by Leicester. And there's none of that on the pitch. Look, De Bruyne is quiet. He leads by example. Uh, he's a great player, but he's not an emotional leader. Same with Fernandinho. Quiet, lead by example. Uh, type of guys. Those are probably the two closest things to leaders on the team. Um, you look at Sterling, you look at Aguero. Uh, those guys are technicians. They are talents. They are skilled players who operate kind of in a bubble. They are not guys who are going to lead the team. Guys on the bench, Stones possibly could have been a leader, but he can't even get on the pitch nowadays because of his injuries, because of whatever else. Who knows? Uh, Mendy's too new, uh, Walker is a clown, he's not going to be a leader, uh, Gunduan, I mean, you look, Gunduan's part of that absolutely leaderless German side as well that has factions in the locker room and, and doesn't get along and all that and has no leadership, so, uh, you know, Manuel, Manuel Neuer, who's a good leader, can't even, can't even get that uh, team together, so Gunduan's not the answer, Ederson, again, young, a little too hot-headed for, uh, for a leadership role, so City has no on-the-pitch leaders. And I think that Ruben Diaz hopefully can be that guy. And, you know, that would also maybe empower Bernardo, his Portuguese teammate, to step up and take a leadership role because I think there's some potential there as well. So leadership was, the lack of leadership was absolutely evident in this match against Leicester. And hopefully Ruben Diaz brings some of that. Now, I'm not sure if, if Diaz is ready to go. I wouldn't be surprised to see him against Leeds. Oh, man, if it was Ruben Diaz and Laporte at center back against Leeds, I would be such a happy camper. Uh, Leeds, who's actually up in the Premier League. They're on top in the standings over a city with uh, six points. They are doing pretty well in their return after years and years to the Premier League. Of course, coached by Pep Mentor and, uh, and friend Marco Bielsa. Um, there's a great article by Talk Sport about how uh, Bielsa and Guardiola came to, uh, came to develop this relationship. Um, basically, one of uh, at Barcelona, uh, one of uh, Pep's Argentine teammates said, "Look, if you really want to coach, you got to go talk to the old the old Argentina national team coach Marco Bielsa, who's really, really innovative and amazing." And uh, you know, a couple of years later, I mean, he was at Roma. I think I think Pep was at Roma at the time when uh, when his teammate told him that, and uh, he didn't for a couple of years. And then he was actually in Mexico playing Mexico. Pep the last year played for uh, Dorados of Sinaloa. Which, uh, if you have Netflix, there's a great uh, documentary series about uh, Maradona going to uh, coach Dorados in Sinaloa uh, recently. So, you know, and that team, up until that point, they were most known for, uh, for of course, having Pep Guardiola at the end of his career. So, uh, interesting tie-in. But anyway, so we went down there, went to a barbecue at Bielsa's house, and the two totally bonded. Uh, Bielsa told them all about his football philosophy, about his coaching philosophy, about uh, how he viewed the world of international and global football. Uh, you know, he told them that he doesn't do one-on-one interviews because it's not fair to little papers. That he would do an interview with big papers. And to this day, 
you know, Pep really only talks to reporters at press conferences. So the whole, you know, a lot of the Pep uh, mentality comes from that uh, relationship. And, you know, they talked about how uh, Javi Garcia played for uh, Bielsa at Bilbao. And so when City got to, or when uh, Pep got to, uh, to Bayern Munich, he would grill Javi Garcia about, uh, or Javi Martinez about, uh, about what Bielsa's like and all this stuff and how he trains. And so, you know, this is Pep going up against his idol. And, you know, maybe this is just the thing to shake Pep out of his post Leon funk here and, uh, and get him back on track, get him thinking a little more uh, in an innovative way or, or make him return to his old style that was so successful for so many years. Either way, uh, I think this is going to be a tight game. I think that uh, we'll see. It's going to, a lot of it's going to depend on the lineup, on who's available, on what kind of uh, style Pep plays. But I could see Pep really wanting to, uh, to be a little different, be a little innovative as he plays his idol here. It's not going to be an easy, an easy match. Leeds is a very good team, uh, coached by a very good manager. And I have a feeling that City uh, might struggle a little bit on this if they don't have the right players out there available to them. Um, I, I still think they can come away with a win here. I see it as a uh, as a two to one, even a three to two uh, match that City comes away with the victory. You know, Pep has a, a very good record against his idol here, who uh, you know Bielsa is, is coached mostly lower level teams uh, for the uh, in the in the later stages of his career here. So uh, you know, Pep's beat him eight nothing, I think, when he was at Barcelona, um, and you know, it, so I, Pep Pep should uh, get the win here. But, you know, I hope that this is a, a good thing for Pep to play against Bielsa. And I'm excited for it. So 12.30 Saturday, uh, Pep and the, uh, the citizens take on Marco Bielsa and his club from Leeds. I will be tweeting about it on social media. Follow me there, at Citizen Podcast, C-I-T-Y-Z-E-N Podcast, as uh, City, the march through the 2020-2021 season continues. <laughs> All right, that's it. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, This is the Citizen Abroad podcast, which can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Radio.com, all these places. And uh, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, especially, leave me a review. Five stars, please, if uh, if you don't mind. I will give you a big shout-out. And on the beginning of the pod, it is greatly appreciated. Helps grow the podcast, and uh, and good things happen from there. So uh, I told you my Twitter handle, at Citizen Podcast. Email me directly to citizenabroad at gmail.com. Enjoy the match on Saturday. I will see you on social media. And the pod will be back at some point next week as well as I work to make this a more regular thing and, uh, and get back on track here. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you soon.